Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Week 18 edition of the Pro Football Focus Fantasy Show here on Roto-Grinders. I am Britt Devine, uh, joined by Ian Harditz. For not our last week, we will be running it back, uh, at least for the week one of the playoffs. I think just that that first week. Uh, but Ian, happy to have you back for the final regular season week. Uh, happy to be looking forward to the playoffs. The NFL had uh, quite a few of decisions to make, and it's going to make for an interesting DFS slate. Um I guess more so from that and some of the scenarios that can play out. I think both the Bills and Bengals are going to be going all out, and we need teams that are going to be going all out to win, at least from the DFS slate. Uh, but what's going on, my man? Welcome to Week 18. First stream of 2023 with you, Britt. Here's to uh, many more, probably more next season, as you uh, said before. But yeah, man, great day to be great. This is always, you know, DFS Christmas, I think, for a lot of people. The season-long leagues, the best ball leagues, they are all over with. Last chance before the playoffs, you know, go go get back in the green. So I am ready, my friend. Yeah, uh, if you guys are new to the show, probably not. But if you do happen to be, welcome. Uh, Ian uh, over at Pro Football Focus normally has an article up uh, uh, called his Mismatch Manifesto. It's not up this week, but he did just for us and for Twitter, of course, for his millions and millions of followers, uh, was able to post them up here. Uh, we kind of go over a bunch of mismatches, offensive, defense, uh, and we'll probably put a little bit of slate context in as well with some of the teams that have things to play for, some that don't. Ian, let's jump right into this before we get into the sports bets, into the DFS stuff a little bit later in the show. Uh, always explosive play rate, something we like to start off with first. What are some teams in context that might be able to run the ball well, that might be able to pass the ball well this week? Yeah, as always, you know, blue good, red is bad. We are just trying to get a one-way street for these metrics. We always talk about offense ranks X, defense ranks Y. I basically combine these stats to help get us, again, this one-way street. Just a good way to help break down the slate as a whole before we get into the nitty-gritty. But with that said, some of the props, man, really setting up well for Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs team who really did seem to get the better of a lot of you know, the playoff maneuvering the NFL had to do impossible situations. So, you know, it is what it is, but certainly they are, uh, you know, encouraged to win this game and hopefully win it in style. Patrick Mahomes, I have it written down later in the sheet how many passing yards he is. 319. 319. Okay, that's his over-under, but he's actually yep. 430 passing yards away from sending a new mm. single-season record. I don't know. Britt certainly seems to be in reach there against a Raiders team that, yes, we did see Stidham actually keep things competitive last week, but certainly still not overly impressed by that defense. Uh, looking more at the main slate, though, we do have the Patriots and the Cowboys passing games popping off as the most, and I do uh, popping off the most, and I do think there's opportunity with both with uh, both of them. Jacoby Myers back-to-back -back week, six-plus catches, and 
and a touchdown. Also with the Cowboys, I mean, Dalton Schultz still underpriced. Both those teams, I do think we'll see their starters uh, more, far more snaps than not, if not, you know, 100% on, while the game is still in reach. Running games, we do have the Ravens continuing to pop off. But as we see, man, J.K. Dobbins looks awesome out there, like at least way better than he did earlier in the season. But it's still unfortunately going to be him, Gus Edwards, and probably even a little bit of Justice Hill. So, the Ravens Bengals game is interesting to me. You know, we do have the coin flip shenanigans and things like that going on as the other uh, storylines. But at least in this one, you have a Ravens team that hasn't been able to get really throw the ball all season long. And I, I'm not blaming that on Lamar or even Huntley. I think it's a lack of receivers other than Mark Andrews. And then those guys get hurt. What do you expect to still be standing there? But I do wonder with this solid matchup against that Bengals front seven, maybe J.K. Dobbins could be a bit of a diamond in the rough there. Uh, any teams that look to be possibly not having any explosive plays this week. You're looking, you know, Arizona, are we going to mess around with them? James Conner just got ruled just out. Just one guy, just one guy <laughs> in Arizona, our one true savior, Greg Dortch, man. It's insane how much they keep feeding this guy and hand up. I mean, they keep feeding him targets and he's making the most out of them. So just because, you know, we didn't necessarily even know how good he was or even who he was, you know, this time four or five months ago, Greg Dortch really has made the most out of all his opportunities. But yeah, without James Conner, they're probably not going to be touching anyone else on that that offense also have the Washington passing game not exactly popping but hey we do have Sam Howe out there under center and the two things that he really did make happen during his collegiate career was running the ball a lot I mean you could argue he was the second best rusher coming out only behind uh, Malik Willis obviously and everything he was able to do at Liberty and he throws a very pretty deep ball so guys like Jahan Dotson Terry McLaurin who we've seen struggle a little bit more with the Taylor Heineke experience only takes one when you got that higher average target depth going deep downfield yeah, we got Jonathan Williams RB1 season as uh, approaching week week 18. <laughs> this is uh, going to so be one that's week. annoying, and this happens, Britt. Like, it, it's happened throughout the league uh, before this year, but we've all been hoping for Antonio Gibson to get the featured role, and then he gets hurt, and it's like, well, no, we still got Williams, then we got Brian Robinson, McKissick's in there, so Robinson could never get the featured role, and all of a sudden, it was like the Browns last year. That's the example yep. I we couldn't get Chubb. We couldn't get hung with the future role, but the Ernest Johnson somehow managed to do it. Maybe just maybe Jonathan Williams. It's his time to shine. Yeah, just remember there are uh, – we will go over quite a few of uh, the scenarios in terms of teams that have to win, teams that aren't really playing for much. And uh, I think there's even some teams that haven't said anything, like the Vikings. For, the Vikings should want to lose this game, in my opinion. Yeah. They should not want to win this game. We'll have to see how that goes. I know on a couple of the prop sites I'm heavily invested – in Minnesota unders, hoping that these guys play less than a half. Uh, that's just another one, but we'll, we'll get through all of that in just a little bit here. Uh, let's go to pace. Some of these games, again, with so many starters sitting, not too much we can really read into. I want to focus on the games of the teams we know that have to play for and maybe some of those offenses. What are we looking at this week in terms of a lot of snaps? Patriots Bills continues to look pretty good. So, I mean, we've seen the quarterback landscape there. If there was a week to really pay up and get Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts, it is probably this one. So I do think, again, Jacoby Myers is standing out as a relatively solid bring back option. If you do want to go ahead and go with that Josh Allen, maybe Stefan Diggs stack at the top. Otherwise, we do have the Giants and Eagles popping, but the Giants really standing out as the team we probably are most confident in resting their starters. So tough to feel too good about that side of the ball. The Chargers Broncos one is interesting because I know the Chargers are going to need to actually you know see what happens at the 1 p.m. slate before they know exactly what to play for but these instances man like I don't I, I'm not sure if you've heard anything specifically out of Los Angeles about them specifically planning on resting these guys but it does seem like a situation where Maybe I'm not going to be the most confident in Keenan Allen getting 14, 15 targets. And I'm playing every single snap like it's their last. But this Chargers-Broncos game, I know all year we thought we were going to have these you know, constant shootouts in the AFC West and hasn't exactly gone that way with the Broncos and to a lesser extent. The Raiders not really holding up their end of the bargain with that. But with the Chargers, you know, the defense is finally starting to get a little bit healthy. But even with that, we've seen them be more mediocre than we expected this year. Russ and company, you know, freed from the you know shackles of Nathaniel Hackett and all that. I don't know, man. That Chargers Broncos game, if there was going to be one of these where we are holding off on the Chargers a little bit because it wouldn't be the smartest thing in the world for them to unleash those guys. That said, man, that we do have a lethal offense and a winnable enough matchup, and the Broncos terrible offense on the season. We have seen them once or twice, so hold up there and the bargain in one of these shootouts. So that is one that intrigues me, especially given the opportunity, the potential for more plays than usual. The Broncos offense has only been really uh able to put up points against that Kansas City defense, which is, yeah. I think, pretty atrocious. Uh, so I, I like that Patrick Mahomes passing yards because I don't think they're really going to be able to stop Las Vegas. Stidham showed enough in week one, and he's got 
you know, you look at the Devontae Adams, Darren Waller. From what I can tell, these guys are going to be a full go. We see Josh Jacobs. is. I think he's probably going to be out. And Samir White is going to be a running back entering uh, into our DFS landscape. But there's enough weapons for Stidham and that offense to put up. If Russell Wilson can put up points against Kansas City, I, I think so can Jaron Stidham, simply because he has Devontae Adams, who is just otherworldly. In my that helps. Opinion. That helps. All right, let's go to pressure rate, quarterbacks that might be under pressure, quarterbacks that might have all data throw. Yeah, the two guys standing now is having the cleanest pockets. Unfortunately, we can't be overly thrilled with their potential volume. Tom Brady with the Buccaneers having nothing to play for. And then Sam Darnold and what's been the league's single most run-heavy offense since he took over under center in Carolina. And obviously, they don't have all that much to play for at this point in the season anyway. So the more concern would be what can Sam Howell make happen behind this, you know, flimsy Washington li uh, offensive line. I will say, you know, to give them a little bit of credit, I mean, Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke, if you're looking for guys to consistently make these quick decisions, Decisions, like they are not your uh, quarterbacks for that. So again, the Sam Howell potential, even if we aren't completely convinced he's going to play 100% of the snaps, I mean, he does profile as the type of rookie quarterback who could be better at fantasy than he is in real life. So with the Cowboys still playing hard, I mean, it's a tough defense, tough to get overly excited about it. But I will just say the Washington pressure, I do think could be a little bit more due to some of those quarterbacks than the offensive line. Uh, just some other groups. I mean, the Bears, the Colts, and the Giants really popping out as having some problems at the line of scrimmage, but we aren't overly uh, interested in those passing games anyway. No. All right. Going down the, uh, not the article, but on his Twitter thread, you can find him at iHarditz. Uh, if he, he's got a bajillion followers anyway, I'm sure you are all following him, but if you're not uh, iHarditz, uh, you'll find you in there. Uh, yards before contact per rush. All right. What's looking out this week? So Miles Sanders looks like he's going to be a full goal. Well, they need him for the whole game. Uh, Buffalo, they don't like to run. You mentioned Baltimore. All their statistics are lining up in the blue, which is good. Um, so maybe your J.K. Dobbins. You can you can get on the other side of being hooked on that prop bet you had uh, a couple of weeks ago for that one. Anything else really standing out to you this week? It looks like the 49ers, but I'm a little worried if CMC, one, if he even plays, and two, how long he plays for. Uh, I know he's projecting currently to be popular in DFS, but by the time Sunday rolls around, I would imagine there's going to be a Schefter tweet overnight. Hey, expect CMC to play X, something like that. Um, I, and X is not going to be the whole game. <laughs> had to had to remind me about missing that J.K. Dobbins prop by an entire <laughs> half yard. Hooks so are the worst. That. Oh my gosh, absolutely brutal. But yeah, I don't think there's any major takeaways here for like complete smash plays. But I think in tournaments it can give us at least a couple leans here. Speaking of Dobbins, speaking of Devin Singletary, James Cook, and even a, a returning Elijah Mitchell. There, like I get it. We don't have these one back workhorse committees but at this point in the season especially with some of the starters that are getting rested or not on the main slate to begin with we don't have very many running backs even left that have those three down workloads to begin with so if we can get 12 to 15 touches which i do think dobbins singletary to a slightly lesser extent james cook and elijah mitchell should be in line for i can get behind it a little bit more so with miles sanders this would be a situation where we think he can go off boston scott you know the giant slayer himself not going to completely uh, go that deep into the weeds but i I do think Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders in this Eagles running game in general should be set up well against the Giants defense that not only doesn't have much to play for at this point with their playoff spot and seating pretty much already decided, but also hasn't been able to stop the run all season long. All right, moving on to yards, combined yards per drop back, uh, offenses that should be able to move the ball down the field. Um, what's standing out? Any teams, you know, the teams that you don't want, we're not going to be playing any Giants. We're not going to be playing any Cardinals outside of maybe your boy, Greg Dorch. It's not really, Minnesota looks like they're in the blue. Again, I'm concerned with how long some of those guys yeah. will play. KC on the Saturday slate looks amazing. Uh, I, I don't know. What are we taking away from this chart? I think with the Dolphins actually still having a ton to play for, I know that Jets secondary, Sauce Gardner and company are great, but they Skyler Thompson. I know. Guys got a cannon, man. You watch him play. I was not here. saying the good part of Skyler Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of few Skyler truthers out there, but hey. Don't worry about Skylar Thompson. Just look at Tyreek freaking Hill and to a lesser extent, Jalen Waddle. As we know with these guys, you know, cornerback slips on one play, all of a sudden they can be going 70 yards the other way. So I just wouldn't completely give up on these Dolphins wide receivers because the passing game from Tua to Teddy to Skylar, yes, there have been drop-offs, but it's still been a pretty explosive group regardless of who is under center. And again, not having to worry about weather in Miami, not having to worry about how long these guys are going to be out here. I do think Tyreek and Waddle are damn good enough in their own right to just give the matchup and the quarterback a little bit of a pass in tournaments. Also with the Saints, man, Andy Dalton, 
one of those things this year where he's actually had a pretty damn good year. You could argue this is Dalton's best season since the 2015-2016 Bengals years when he was really surrounded by all those playmakers. A.J. Green, younger Muhammad Sanus, and Marvin Jones is out there really making that offense go around. So with the Saints, Chris Olave is back. But as we saw last week, man, Rashid Shaheen just continues to make the most out of all his opportunities. So if you are looking for a few cheaper receivers out there, Greg Dorch and Rashid Shaheen really standing out as guys with a combination of opportunity. And at least in uh, Shaheen's case, also having the quality matchup final point would be with San Francisco I know what you're saying with McCaffrey and especially with Elijah Mitchell coming back they don't need to give the ball to McCaffrey 30 times this game but we do are expecting to have Debo Samuel back and Brandon Iyuk George Kittle coming off you know big games in Kittle's case you know three or four straight big games so Brock Purdy if I wasn't going to pay up all the way for Allen or Hurts I think Purdy as I was going down my cash QBs man he's the guy I feel next best about I mean the Cardinals defense we know isn't going to be a problem and even if Purdy doesn't maybe have that 30 40 point fantasy you know slate break and Ceiling. This dude's thrown multiple touchdowns in every single one of his extended appearances this year. And I do think at least in tournaments, you got a lot of different options there with a Debo, with a Kittle, and with Nayuk. Are you concerned at all with San Francisco? Because they're going to be scoreboard watching the Philadelphia Giants team. And I think we're all kidding ourselves if we expect the Giants second stringers to keep up with the Eagles on a full go. So if, if the Eagles game is up, you know, 21 point, if they're winning by 21 at halftime or midway through the third quarter. I just think teams like the 49ers, things like the Cowboys, they just take their foot off the gas and maybe rest their guys in the fourth quarter middle of the third quarter. I'm just concerned about a couple. It's of a risk. I mean, again, I'm, I think it's more of a tournament play than anything here, but with a couple of these teams, again, the 49ers and the chargers, when it is more scoreboard watching and we're talking about, you know, four seed versus six seed and stuff like that. Pretty big difference. I think than a team that again, like the giants knows the entire week that they have absolutely nothing to play for. So again, more times than not in recent years. I mean, I have, I don't have the exact numbers here, but it has been kind of rare for these teams to completely just pull the guys out mid game. Game as soon as they're scoreboard watching. I think the coaches just want to win more times than not. You gotta gotta have that extra win to secure your future two years down the road. You gotta be able to I know, man. Up. It's just weird in the <laughs> locker room. Like I uh Ron Rivera was getting all sorts of shit, you know, for not knowing the elimination and all that. But at the end of the day, like he's out there just they want to win. They want to focus on, you know, all 52 men in this locker room, nothing else matters type of mindset. So hey, I, I know what you're saying long term, and I think that's why you would hope. Um, I know we were talking with last week the whole Jaguars issue, and like, oh, look at Doug Peterson a couple years ago resting the Eagles guys in week 17. But there were talks that I was that was actually a Howie Roseman move from the front office. I think that's where it needs to come from. Because again, the head coach and the players, you're just trying to win. Front office wants to look down the future and make the smarter move. I do think it needs to come from them. But final thing here, we do have the EPA per play. And yeah, nothing really sticking off. A lot of these are going to be skewed because of the different changes under center. So no major takeaways other than just, uh, again, the Chiefs really popping as the best overall offense, best overall plays of the week. So as we get to these props, Britt might have a couple of over for that passing game all right if you want to check uh, out not the article this week but anything else over at pro football focus uh, there is a million right just scroll article article you can just go and go and go their subscriptions are relatively inexpensive uh, a great way to get uh, more dfs more sports betting more football knowledge uh, with a pff subscription you can get that out over at pro football focus uh, all right let's go to uh, let's talk a couple straight bets parlays first we'll get into the props in just a minute and Ian, I have been bitten by the fancy play syndrome on my straight bets. So I got a couple of parlays cooked up. I got a Saturday parlay. I got a Sunday parlay. Ooh. Uh, the sun, the Saturday parlay for me, pretty easy. I'm taking both teams at minus two and a half points. So you can get the Chiefs at minus two and a half, parlay that with the Jags at minus two and a half, gets you minus 115, minus 120 before the show. So you're right onto there. Uh, the Chiefs, on, I don't know. I don't, their defense is absolutely putrid, in my opinion. They allow way too many teams to hang around. I'm very scared of laying a giant line with them, but I am also not scared of them losing this game. And I think the safest way to do that is to get them under a field goal, minus two and a half, and pairing that with the Jags. I think they're up to six and a half now. You knock it down to two and a half. We saw a couple of weeks ago, uh, I know Derrick Henry was going in for a touchdown and had a fumble, and there was a lot of other shenanigans in that game too with turnovers. But I think it's pretty clear the Jaguars are the, the much better team here. Trevor Lawrence has ascended into an actual, I won't say the elite level, but the basically the next step, step down from the Joe Burrows, 
the Jalen Hurts, the the Josh Allens. He's basically right there, in my opinion, uh, in terms of being a good quarterback. He's got great weapons around him. I'm expecting them, and a, and a pretty good run defense. I'm not expecting them to completely slow down Derrick Henry, but they've got a good enough run defense where if they're able to provide any resistance to that Titans run game that I think they could win this game pretty easily. I just like taking it under a field goal. It works out to a pretty even bet there, minus 115, minus 120. So that's my Saturday parlay. My Sunday parlay, all right, we're getting in the weeds here. We're going with a, a three-teamer. They're alt spreads, alt totals. Uh, we've got the Ravens team total. So before the show, the only sports book I could get this on was Caesars. So we're going with the Ravens under 20 and a half points. Uh, without Lamar Jackson, a quarterback this year, they haven't scored over 20 points in any game. And against this Bengals defense, which I think is starting to come around a little bit more towards the end of the season, I'm looking for the Bengals to win that game relatively easily. However, I'm taking it from the Ravens offense, not being able to do anything outside of the aforementioned J.K. Dobbins run game. More runs, less time, less points, taking the Ravens under 20 and a half. I'm pairing that with the Eagles minus six and a half. All right. I like the Eagles to win. I The 14 is definitely too, too big for me to lay right. on this, but I needed something to bring the odds down. Again, getting them under the key numbers, under the touchdown, I think is good for me. I'm going to take the Eagles minus six and a half. Also pairing that with the 49ers minus two and a half. I don't even know if the 49ers, I think they're 14 point favorites too right now. If they really deserve that much with how I'm expecting them to maybe scoreboard watch and play some reserves in the second half. But I feel very, very, very comfortable taking them at minus two and a half of the Cardinals playing not the A team, the B team, the yeah. C team, or the D team. Uh, they're playing the F team outside of Greg Dorch, who is an A. Uh, <laughs> so you put all three of those together on Caesars before the show. Ravens under 20 and a half, Eagles minus six and a half, 49ers minus two and a half. You get that to minus 114, right around an even money bet. That's where I like to put the parlays. Those are the two I'm looking at a Saturday and Sunday parlay. Uh, like the favorites this week. Uh, I usually do. I like the favorites. I like overs generally. Um, and, and that's basically where I've come at from the parlay perspective this week. No parlays for me, but yeah, I gotta give a, you know, plenty of shouts, shout outs to Greg Dortch. You know, Britt, there were two players before the season started that I was really hyping up as late round gems, Jamal Williams and Rondale Moore. And just seeing again, what Rondale was able to do himself when he was healthy. And then Greg Dortch, every single time the dude is out, absolutely eating. I'm not tilted at all. The process was right. He yelled, but anyway, my three picks here, we've been over 500 on the season. Let's keep it that way. I am going Eagles and Giants under 43 and a half. I was just surprised to even see this number as high as it was with the Giants team, seemingly more convinced that they're resting their stutters than any other team out there. And let's face it, going up against a good Eagles defense that has plenty to play for trying to clinch this. On the other side of the ball, I mean, it is a Giants defense that, yes, we could see some backups in there, but they have been very well coached. And I think the backbone of this team, more weeks than not throughout the year, playing against an Eagles offense where we have no idea if Jalen Hurts is going to be limited throwing the football, if they're going to be as willing to use him with those, you know, patented QB sneaks and willing to risk some of those extra hits and a week 18 game that is important obviously they want to clinch the one seed but they're also 14 point favorites so i wouldn't be shocked that they don't you know completely jam that foot down the gas for 60 full minutes if they can't help it which i do think they'll be able to help it based on what the giants are doing so give me under 43 and a half in that one and then similar thought process to what you have in your Saturday parlay. I got the Chiefs minus nine and a half, the Jaguars minus six and a half. If you do want to parlay those, you know, I do think it's a very reasonable call on your part with the teaser getting some of those points. But ultimately, the Jared Stidham game, like we do, how many bad quarterbacks do we need to see play like a good half of football before we stop freaking out all over the place on Twitter? I mean, Jared Stidham has Devontae Adams just completely bust the coverage, you know, not knowing within 20, 30 yards of him. Stidham holds the ball so long, he ends up taking a big hit on the play and people are acting like Derek Carr never should have played a snap for the Raiders so just one of those things where like yes it was an impressive performance and I know the 49ers are good and Jared Stidham to his credit he has like 100 career dropbacks maybe he does end up being pretty good but going up against the Chiefs offense that sure looks like they're going to be able to breeze past 30 points in this one I am not convinced that Stidham can't keep up in this one giving the Chiefs minus nine and a half with everything to play for just like the Jaguars going up against Joshua Dobbs who truly 
truly, you look at that performance against the Cowboys last week. I mean, the amount of either straight up drops or just 50 50 balls that Traylon Burks and company, Robert Woods, all of them couldn't come up with, despite Dobbs making some good throws. Okay, that's great, but it also shows you how freaking bad this group of receivers is and why that's been impacting the offense all season long. So getting Derrick Henry back is great, but if you do want to look at what the Jaguars have been able to do, I agree with you. Trevor Lawrence, I mean, just looking back at the past six to eight weeks, you're going to see him ranked not even number two, not even number three in a lot of these stats. Number one, right up there with guys like Joe Burrow as some of the league's most efficient passers. PFF passing grade, yards per attempt, whatever you want to pull out, he is going to be ranking towards the top. So Jaguars minus six and a half. Chiefs minus nine and a half. We have teams with must win games going up against backup quarterbacks who I think the line's being inflated because we saw them play a decent 60 minutes of football last week. That's not going to be good enough against two bona fide studs in Patrick Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence. I think it was half the league has backup or backup backup quarterbacks this week. It's, it's wild. I've how never it's seen anything like that before. <laughs> um, all right, let's go to the props. The props have been very good to me uh, this Ooh, year, at least. 27 and 10, Britt. My goodness, we're, we're going to 29 and 10, and we're going to 31 and 10 in the playoffs. So Proud of you. We are on, we, we, we're on the same prop this week, and I don't know if we've ever so – I, I don't really look at yours until right before the show, and I don't think you look at what I post until right before the show. We're I, on the stole, same. I stole your Zach Moss one last week. I did not notice yep. your one you're about to talk about yeah, this week. So, so we we'll, really we'll are. Talk, we'll both talk about this one. Is Derrick Henry is at 13 and a half or 14 and a half receiving yards, depending on your book. This is one reception for him. He's averaging 11 point, uh, like eight or six or something like that on the season. He has a reception over 13 and a half in seven of his 15 games. So if he gets one reception, it's not completely out of the question that he goes over this. But I think it's pretty clear he's going to get chance to get two or three or four receptions. I mean, I don't understand why this line is so low. I know the blitz. I know the Roto-Grinders projections have him almost double in terms of this. So I look at those and I see this is a very easy bet this week. It's just it's it's too good in, in one catch. He can get there, and it's not uh, – what is this? In five of his last seven games, he's gone over it. Uh, one of those was with Malik Willis, who isn't exactly the checkdown artist, right? He's the cute quarterback rusher, which sort of takes away some of your dump-offs. And if they just scheme up one or two screens to Derrick Henry, another dump-off or something like that when Dobbs is running around, this is an easy over. This is my bet of the week for sure. Uh, Henry over 13 and a half receiving yards. I know you like it as well. We're both going to take credit for it when it goes over this weekend. Yeah, I mean, look, just look at the entire season. He's averaging 25 receiving yards per game. And yeah, this is a situation it. where we have, as you mentioned, going from Malik Willis to a Joshua Dobbs, you would expect there to be a heightened presence in the checkdown game. And the big difference that's just been the case for the last three, four weeks is Doncho Hilliard, their normal pass down back, has been on IR. So that's why it was Hassan Haskins and Julius Chestnut, uh, you know, last week out there battling for it. Normally, it'd be Doncho Hilliard, the guy that scored two touchdowns in week one and has been their primary receiving back but kind of lost in yet another great Derrick Henry season when he's managed to stay healthy is the fact that he has shattered his previous career highs in receiving usage. 32 catches this year before this year. He never had more than 20. 379 receiving yards. I mean, 2019, he had 206 receiving yards. That was his career high. So absolutely love it. And the matchup is even better, man. We have them as six and a half point dogs, trailing game script. Fantastic. Against one of the most freaking you know the Jaguars I'm not saying he can't run over him but the way Trevor Lawrence and company are probably gonna be able to pass on this Titans secondary I just see the game script I see the matchup and I see the usage all pointing towards Derrick Henry hitting that over at 13 and a half yeah Henry's not really coming off the field this game I think during the regular season right you can sub in some of these third down backs I, I see Derrick Henry playing the majority I mean he always plays the majority but basically almost every snap this week in my opinion uh the other one I got so this one's a little bit of a hold your nose but I was on Travis Kelsey against Seattle. I was on George Kittle against Seattle. Last week, Tyler Conklin had a bajillion yards against Seattle. It's Tyler Higby this week, Ian. So we've got to hold our nose a little bit on Tyler Higby, but it's 29 and a half. And I don't know. I think I'm going to take this this week. In fact, I know I have because I've already bet it on a couple of sites and also the prop sites. Uh, Higby's not really having a great season, but every single tight end that's had a reasonable quarterback and the tight end isn't a complete jabroni, has gone over this line against Seattle the entire season. So let's run it back once again. We're taking Higby. Uh, Conklin was at 26 and a half last week. 
Seattle's allowing 70.9 yards per game to tight ends. That's the highest. They're allowing the third least yards per wide receivers. It's very clearly a tight end funnel defense. He's not George Kittle. He's not Travis Kelsey. He's not even Tyler Conklin, but he's a tight end against Seattle. We're rounding out the year, taking this. I hope Seattle gets into the playoffs. I want to take a tight end against them next week, too. We're going to just keep running on the show with this one. Tyler Higby over 29 and a half. Hold your nose, click the over, collect your money at the end of the week. The only thing that's really held back Higby this year is when they've used him more so as a blocker. And that hasn't been the case in about yep. two months now. So I am with you on that. Remember, guys, when we're going through the mismatch manifesto. Every freaking thing was pointing up for the Chiefs. So I'm going to follow that trend and ride with Sir Patrick Mahomes. Over 320 passing yards. Again, it's going to need to be in the fours in order to have a chance at breaking that Marino record. So let's go ahead and try to get that. Also, over two and a half passing touchdowns is plus 100 over at DraftKings. So as I was surprised to see that looking at some of his recent performances against the Raiders, we have 340 passing yards, two touchdowns, 348 and two, 406 and five, 258 and two, most recently 292 and four. So I get it. Not a clean sweep. But again, when the matchup is right, when we got the Chiefs with more to play for and just about anyone out there wanting to clinch this one seed and then go get the week off, I am just going to be betting on the homes and a passing game that is getting healthy at the right time with me. Hardman also expected to be back here. So. Mahomes over two and a half passing touchdowns, over 320 and a half passing yards, Henry over 13 and a half receiving yards, and sticking with the general theme here, focusing on the offenses with playing to play for in good matchups. Give me Trevor Lawrence over 264 and a half passing yards. I mean, credit to Doug Peterson, the job he's done here. Truly consider him one of the coaches that will actually play to the defense's weaknesses and adjust his game plan. Novel concept, I know, but not everyone's out there doing that. And you look at this last matchup, man. 368 passing yards on 42 attempts all the way back in just week 14. So again, Titans this year have been one of the biggest pass funnel defenses. I put them right there with the Baltimore Ravens as teams that just shut down your run game and almost force you to throw the ball. I think Lawrence with Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, more than enough firepower to get the job done once again. Yeah. So if anyone is a scores and odds premium subscriber, Underdog opened Trevor Lawrence's total yards, including pass and rush, at 255. So I put that I put that on scores and odds on Monday afternoon, and I got plenty of dollars on that one, uh, along with a couple other props they had there. Uh, so you do get I scour those prop sites uh, very early as soon as they drop. They are not scared to put their own lines out for the sports books, and I'm here to collect the money from that. That was the absolute prop of the week for me was nice. the Trevor Lawrence 255 total. I am certainly okay taking the over 264 passing yards. Uh, take some overs on the receivers too. Uh, you can get Evan Ingram uh, and uh, Zay Jones touchdowns at over like plus 250 a piece. That makes no sense to me. So you can you can fire on a couple of those as well. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for the sports betting version of the show. Uh, I mentioned scores and odds. If you ever want to get access to my picks and some other people at Roto Grinders, you can provide uh, buy a subscription to that. I think it's 39.99 or 49.99 a month. Uh, and if you just want to be able to check, hey, where is the best line for Derrick Henry over 13 and a half receiving yards? Where can I get Patrick Mahomes over two and a half touchdowns at the best line? You can get that at scores and odds for free. You don't need a subscription uh, or anything for that. Uh, all right, let's get into DFS. Uh, a very strange week. There's going to be some players you're going to want to pay up for. There's going to be some positions where you can legitimately spend less than $5,000 on and feel very good, uh, mainly the wide receiver position, but I think even some running backs are going to come into fruition there. So with a lot of that up in the air, I guess from first the cash game perspective, we are looking at, to me, it's very clear between two quarterbacks. It's Josh Allen and it's Jalen Hurts. Would you rather? Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Let's say three-quarters of Jalen Hurts. Four quarters of Josh Allen. What say you? Probably the Josh Allen one, man. Again, I'm just, it could be enough of a thing with Jalen Hurts where they, they know this is an important game. They want to get the one seed, but are they going to really be forcing, you know, the issue at the one yard line doing these QB snakes? Or are they going to say, okay, Miles Sanders, you can have it. Because if we're not getting the guy on the field that, again, is basically... 
potential to lead the NFL in rushing touchdowns in the year. That's all of a sudden going to be changing what we're looking for with Jalen Hurts. And with Josh Allen, this Patriots defense, man, I don't know how many times he needs to ball out against Bill Belichick before we kind of like quit saying like, oh, well, it's Bill Belichick. He deserves the benefit of the doubt here. I mean, last time I get it, it wasn't exactly the biggest lights out performance, but not the most ideal weather game in Foxborough. But I mean, look at the freaking wild, wild card round last year, 308 yards, five touchdowns. This game before that, 314 yards, three touchdowns with another 64 on the ground. Despite how great Jalen Hurts was this season, I don't think he still has the quite as high of a ceiling as Josh Allen does when everything's clicking. And again, with just even a little bit of concern about Hurts' overall playing time or at least the fancy-friendly volume they're giving him, I will take Josh Allen if at all possible. And Britt, to your point, I do think there's more than enough room to save money at running back, wide receiver, even tight end this week to warrant paying up for Josh Allen. If not, if you just are obsessed with getting a McCaffrey or you want to do you and pay up a wide receiver, Brock Purdy is about as low as I'm willing to go. All right. What about from a tournament perspective? Is this the, uh, I saw uh, Dan Bach, uh, head chopper. They have this thing a long time ago. Joe Flacco. Is it Joe Flacco <laughs> week to win you a tournament? Because he love they love to throw when he's in there and he gets the ball to his wide receivers. And I know Garrett Wilson had a down week last week, but that was against Seattle. This is not against Seattle. This is against Miami, and they're struggling right now. And I don't think Skylar Thompson is good. You know, there, there could be some short fields for them to have some touchdown equity. You know, and I think he's going to play the whole game. And I think he, they're not going to sit a Garrett Wilson. They're not going to sit some of these guys that are actually good offensive players on them, unlike some of these other teams. Maybe Joe Flacco in a tournament? Is that getting too too risky this week? I mean, it's just a, it's a wild landscape out here in Week 18. I'm cool with Flacco. Again, we've seen it even earlier in the year. Like, they weren't the prettiest performances out there. Had a lot of garbage time. But guess what? Those all count the same in fantasy land. So, Flacco with Garrett Wilson, I think, is more than reasonable. And I'm also just fine getting back in that Garrett Wilson train, regardless of if you want to stack him with Flacco or not. Only other one I'd mention is Geno Smith with DK Metcalf with a bounce back. I mean, last week we saw them have to face this great uh, Jets secondary. You brought up before about not really sweating the Garrett Dud against the Seattle defense that we've seen, you know, Tariq Woolley and those guys be awesome awfully good against outside receivers all season long. Same thing goes for Metcalf coming off that dud. So with DK, we still know at his best, he is more than capable of, you know, dominating against just about anyone out there. And I just think again, overall this year, yes, Geno's regressed a little bit down the stretch, but this is still a Rams defense without Aaron Donald just got fleeced by Justin Herbert and company. I certainly think Geno's good enough to put up some numbers in this spot with a ton to play for. I know they need a little bit of help to be getting in the playoffs potentially, but with Geno, man, I believe it's a two million, dollar extra incentive for him if they can find a way to make into the playoffs i like him with gino and metcalf that's a nice little way to get off of the kenneth walker chalk as well uh let's go over real quick what some of these teams as we get into the running back wide receiver positions some of the teams that may or may not have a lot to stuff to, to play for this week um, i don't know if you want to lead it yeah uh, yeah yeah, let's go, let's go over some of these things on what's going to be having teams that might rest what are some scenarios like the chargers they if the if um, Baltimore beats Cincinnati, right? I don't think we're really expecting that to happen, but if they do, then the Chargers can win and move up in seeding if they want to, or they could also tank and try to lose. The Vikings, they're, the Eagles have to lose for them to not play the Giants in the first round of the playoffs. And I would want to play the Giants in the first round of the playoffs compared yeah. to playing some of the other teams there. I think the Giants, it's the the battle of the two fraudulent teams. Let's, let's battle it out and see which one's better. So... What are some teams that have something to play for, teams that might have something to play for, and then there's a bunch of other stuff. We're going to get a whole bunch of news even after the show yeah. over Saturday and Sunday morning on what teams are actually planning to do. Definitely going to be one, you know, if you're making a lineup today or tomorrow, make sure you definitely get a hold of some of that early Sunday news. Cause to your point, I do think we'll find out more and more as we get closer to kickoff, but just for right now, based on what we heard throughout the week and shout out to the always great Hayden Winks over there, underdog fantasy for breaking a lot of this down in one of his always awesome columns. But the giants are the team that we're expecting the most who basically have confirmed it throughout the week to be resting their starters with absolutely nothing to play for in their playoff spot already clenched on the other side. Side of things Washington and the Bears already eliminated already eliminated from the playoffs and we have heard enough from reporters from the coaching staff to not be overly optimistic about some of their key players playing all that much on Sunday with the Vikings Kevin O'Connell has already hinted that they may adjust how long certain guys play so Justin Jefferson 194 receiving yards away yeah. from breaking that record don't think he's going to have enough opportunities to get there 
with the Buccaneers, also nothing to play for. And we've already gotten some of those suggestions for limited playing time. So I do think they could treat it more so like a preseason week three type of game. Brady goes out there for a half, probably won't see him for the final 30 minutes. With the Browns, Stefanski did say that they're not planning on shutting anyone down, but added the caveat, they might get some extra playing time for their youngsters. So one of those situations where Amari Cooper, you know, maybe even a David Njoku would slightly pump the brakes, expecting them to have their usual every down rolls. Nick Chubb, especially, you know, playing through that foot injury he's had over the past few weeks. Wouldn't be shocked at all if we see, you know, Dearness Johnson, maybe even Jerome Ford get a bit more run than they have in recent weeks. With the Chiefs, again, everything to really play for, trying to get that one season. 430 passing yards away from that new single season passing yardage record, Britt. I mean, 320 over under. If they had pumped up to 420, man, wouldn't have been uh, the craziest thing I'd ever seen. Uh, and then finally with the Chargers, they will know the fate before the kickoff. I just... When it comes down to like, oh, okay, they can be a three seed versus a four seed. They want to play this team or not. I think we tend to overthink that more so than these teams. I really tend to think these teams more or not want to go out there and get the win unless it's just absolutely cannot move no matter what. And again, to hype your team up the entire week, we're going to play this game to win. Okay. And then for another result at 1 PM to kind of change that I'm just, I, out of all these teams, man, these great offenses that we know don't have a ton to play for. I would say if I wanted to throw a chip at any of them and hope that they are actually going to be out there for 60 minutes and surprise us uh, the Los Angeles chargers are who I am checking with that. So good news, Britt, unlike a couple of weeks ago, very few weather concerns, only the Cardinals 49ers game, as well as the Rams Seahawks games have gotten the yellow designation from our friend Kevin. Yeah, those are both for rain too. So not a ton of wind, just some rain, maybe even a little bit of rain. We'll see how that plays out. And I I guess the other thing is the players on the field, they are going to play. There's no doubt in the NFL when the players are there, the players, when they're on the field, they're not, hey, hey, front office guys, I know, I know you guys want to lose this game, but I also want to work in the NFL for the next couple of years. So I'm sorry for making that game-saving tackle, right? We know the players are going to play. What about the shenan- the shenan- the tomfoolery and shenanigans that might happen in this Colts Colts game uh, <laughs> with the Texans is might be on another level in terms of play calling because both of these teams want to lose horrifically. Uh, the Texans specifically, if they somehow win the, and the Bears lose, the Bears get the number one pick and they have Justin Fields. That's a inter- very interesting situation. But the Texans should be doing everything in their power to lose. Play calling, organizationally, you know it's got to be in there. So it's going to be – Uh, An interesting week, both from the teams that have a lot to play for and then the tomfoolery we can expect in some of the teams that want to lose. I mean, the Texans have been trying to lose for like three years. Look at every single offseason sign they've made. They, with a straight face, brought Lovey Smith in to lead this team this year after he did a whole lot of nothing at Illinois for the better part of the last decade. Again, you know, when you ask Texans fans, like, what have been the good things to happen with this team over the last three years? It's like, Damian Pierce was fun. Brandon Cooks has been okay. And otherwise, it's them parting ways with people or decision makers that they probably shouldn't have ever brought in in the first place. So man, Houston Texans, just, uh, you know, take a bow. You guys have been probably the worst run organization that I can think of, at least for the uh, near past. (laughs) Let's see if they can close it out and get that number one pick. Uh, All right, let's go to running backs. We've got some news maybe right before the show. So we got Brian Robinson out for Washington. Uh, We've already had Antonio Gibson out. So we've got Jonathan Williams coming in. Uh, If you ask me, I don't know if Josh Jacobs has been ruled out yet, but I don't really see him suiting up uh, based on the tea leaves. We're going to have Zamir White possibly in an RB1 role. We've got Christian McCaffrey, who's expensive. I am a little concerned on his workload. Can he get there in a half? Sure. Is he worth the maximum salary in a half of fantasy? Probably not. So I'm looking more at a couple of the teams, you know, at least a couple players from teams that have to win. We've got um, Kenneth Walker. Uh, I think he's going to be pretty good against the Rams. We know Seattle's going to be going all out to win here. I know Geno Smith is going to be incentivized, but Kenneth Walker, uh, he wants to to continue playing football this year, and it's a very good matchup against the Rams. So I like his price. We've got, don't look now, but Najee Harris, the Steelers, have uh, they're heavily incentivized to win if they want to make the playoffs, and Harris has quietly been out-touching his counterpart, uh, I think over 2-1 to over the past couple of weeks, in Jalen Warren, he's involved in the pass game now. They're really leaning on him as they close out the season, playing good defense, playing keep away. Uh, I think Harris is pretty interesting. Uh, you got Tyler Algier who got there last week. I think he can probably do it again against the Bucks team that doesn't really have anything to play for. And they're already sitting a lot of guys. And you said a half of Tom Brady. This might be a drive of Tom Brady yeah. just to get these guys in preparation of their normal game mode before Kyle Trask and a couple other guys end up coming in. 
So that's sort of where I'm looking and maybe I'm looking to spend up on at the wide receiver position instead of McCaffrey, unless I know McCaffrey's going to play at least a half, which I think that's pretty uncertain. Uh, I don't know. I'd like these mid-tier running backs from teams who I know they're going to get the workload from rather than play the guessing game up top of McCaffrey. No, I think you hit the big three there, Walker, Algier, and Najee Harris. I'm still not completely thrilled with Najee's receiving workload, two or fewer catches in five of his last six games, but with playing to play for, and to be fair, Najee has been playing a lot better over the last, you know, two or so months. He mentioned getting that, you know, big steel plate taken out of his shoe, and all of a sudden he's more comfortable. Kind of adds up uh, to me, so good for Najee. But another guy that really a lot of people were down on the first half of the year who has come on strong, Cam Akers with the Rams really just serving as the workhorse of that offense these days. And over these past five weeks, man, in terms of just his weekly PPR finish among all the running backs, RB8, 21, 21, overall RB1. And last week, RB14 could have honestly probably been buying for another top five finish. There is a play on the first drive of that game, leaked out, defender fell down. And if Baker just put the ball a little bit more on him, and Akers got one hand on it, so I'm not here to slander Baker or anything. We're talking about another 50 yard touchdown down catch added to that total so i lean acres walker and algier but again if you want to go with Najee, i'm not going to fight you on it yeah i think that's a pretty good quartet of running backs to be looking at this week from a running back perspective i think we can look at the jonathan williams the zamir white dare i say latavius murray against the chargers <laughs> i don't think there's any reason i've got no recollection of anything and from Denver saying they're not going to play these guys. And I know Murray's probably going to want to close out the season and who better to close out the season against than the Los Angeles chargers as a running back. So these are a couple of tournament plays. Keep your eye out for anything in terms of workload. It's a little hard, even on a Friday for us to really narrow that down, but those are a couple of guys I'm eyeing right now. I do think one guy you can potentially pay up for. I'm with you, not wanting to get all the way up to Christian McCaffrey, but Joe Mixon's sitting there, man, kind of the forgotten guy in all this. And I understand, mentioned before, Ravens have been a pass funnel defense this year, very good against the run. But when you have a home favorite and a true juggernaut offense in the Cincinnati Bengals, man, Joe Mixon, he could just fall into the end zone a couple of times and doesn't even need to be overly efficient. We know he can catch the ball when they decide to throw it to him. I just think Joe Mixon, when you're looking at the guys around him, Pollard, who has been banged up and the Cowboys could certainly get by without feeding him as much. Dalvin Cook, Vikings don't have much to play for. Chubb's been banged up. Browns don't have much to play for. Saquon, who knows how much he's going to be out there. Eckler, McCaffrey, we have these problems. I do think Joe Mixon is the most expensive running back that we can actually look at and say, okay, he should have his usual role out there on Sunday. So I like Joe Mixon if you do want to pay up. And we mentioned that gross Colts-Texans game. One guy, Britt, one guy we can maybe get behind. That's Zach Moss at home, just 5.2K. If there was going to be a game for the Colts to say, F it, let's just give our running back 20-plus touches, might as well be Zach Moss. He's had 24, 13, and 15 touches over these past three weeks. And, yeah, they haven't been competitive other than, you know, the first half there against the Vikings before completely blowing the game in the worst style imaginable. But, Moss, we have seen throughout that without and with Jordan Wilkins be the feature back there. So if there was going to be one matchup for this Colts team to maybe build a lead and have some positive game script, it'd be against the Texans' league worst defense and fantasy points per game allowed to opposing running backs. The books are scared to give us those Zach Moss props. <laughs> They're coming out at some point. And I'll, took I'll them for everything that. they had last week. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, real quick, let's try to go through what wide receiver and tight end. What are a couple wide receivers we're looking at from both the cash and tournament perspectives? All the value in the 5K range, man. We got Drake London, who's really done a great job booming since Kyle Pitts has been out. He is the featured number one in this passing game. And no, there's not a lot of volume to go around. But what little volume they do have has been consistently going to Drake London. Also have Garrett Wilson, 5.8K. Burned this last week, but like you, I still believe. And going from at least an injured version of Mike White, I mean, we heard that apparently he re-aggravated that rib injury awfully early in that game. Had to go see like 10 doctors to try to get cleared in the first place by all counts probably shouldn't have been out there wouldn't be surprised at all if joe flacco is an upgrade from that guy we saw last week so garrett wilson 5.8k if you still need to save some money i do think jacoby myers all the way down there 5.1k makes some sense back-to-back games with six plus catches and a touchdown i saw my guy matt Harmon, you know talking on twitter this week about jacoby being one of those guys who could maybe get a christian kirk 
Jacoby-esque contract. A lot of people freaking out, but a lot of people not maybe giving Jacoby enough credit for being the route-running technician he has been really throughout his entire young career. Guy started scoring touchdowns, and all of a sudden, you know, he has been a much more viable contributor in fantasy. And yeah, I, again, those are my big three that you can save some money with. I'd love to get out to Keenan and keep getting some of these 10 to 14 target games, but just concerned about, you know, the Chargers overall willingness to keep their guys out there, especially a veteran like Keenan, who, as we know, hasn't exactly been a model of, uh, you know, being injury or being not injury prone here, at least this season. In terms of uh, some GPP shots, mentioned before, but Rashid Shaheed and also Tutu Atwell for the Rams. If you want to get cheap, those would be my two darts and tournaments that I do think can save you a decent amount of money. Also, Jahan Dawson 4.5K. We've seen flashing throughout the year. Now got Sam Howell, who I do think should be pushing the ball more downfield even more often than we saw from Heineken, especially Carson Wentz. So that should go well with, the, with Jahan Dotson. Greg Dorch, keep talking about him. 3.8K, nine plus targets in all but one of his six full-time games as a starter this year. Haven't been able to rely on much in Arizona, but for some reason, Greg Dorch has been good for us. Uh, mentioned DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel with those D- with those quarterback stacks. Dolphin People Jones at 4.7K, still not really as close to Amari Cooper as I think he should be based on how they both perform with the Sean Watson under center. And yeah, I think that's it, man. Again, so much value in this four, five, even the high 3K range with Greg Dorch at wide receiver. I would say, uh, you know, getting up into the six, seven, even beyond K range. If you just want to purely differentiate your lineups, might be a good way to go because as we're looking at it, man, again, all these running backs and wide receivers, really more of a middle approach this week than usual. All right, going to the tight end position, a couple of guys I'm interested in. I think you can have some money to spend up. If you want Mark Andrews, who maybe is finally healthy at his big first big week in a long time uh, against Cincinnati, he's the only receiving option. I think they're going to be down. He looks interesting. Uh, Dallas Goddard in a game the Eagles are certainly going to be going all out until, you know, unless they get up 21 points, 28 points in the middle of the third quarter or later. I think they're interesting. Uh, you got Hayden Hurst as that reasonably cheap option uh, who should get some targets this week. What are you looking at? Hurst is definitely for cash. I think where I'm going to want to go to save a little bit, of, a little bit of money and just 3.1 K. I mean, he, he also, if you want to look at those incentives has, you know, a good reason for a burrow to maybe start force feeding him the ball a little more than usual. If they can get this game in hand sooner rather than later. So Hurst is my cash game built right now. After that, I do think attacking that again, that upper three K lower four K range has a lot of quality options. I mean, Pat Frymuth, David Njoku and Dalton Schultz, like just the fact that these guys are priced below Cole Komet is a slap of enough in the face to just realize they are awfully mispriced there. So out of the trio, I would probably lean towards Dalton Schultz the most. I mean, I understand the Cowboys aren't going to be keeping their foot on the gas for the entirety of this one. Still seems like a game that they're going to be out there trying to win. We've seen the Cowboys more years than not when faced with a game like this, go ahead and put their starters out, try to enter the playoffs with some momentum. And as we know with Dalton Schultz in a Dak Prescott led Cowboys offense, number one ranked scoring offense in the league since Dak came back, always has that multi-touchdown upside on the table as we've seen recently all right that's going to do it for the week 18 edition of the pro football focus fantasy show here on roto grinders thanks to all of you for tuning in all season long it is greatly appreciated we will be back next week for the first round of the playoffs as our season finale when all the teams are trying to win instead of all the shenanigans we're going to see this week uh ian it's been fun see everybody next week for ian i'm Britt. thanks for watching and we out you. Thank <laughs> you.